In biblical times, the leaders and merchants would meet at the city gate to discuss the important matters facing their city. And so welcome to The Gate with Pastor Eric Kluth, where the focus is on the people, events, and issues facing our local communities. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of The Gate. I'm your host, Pastor Eric, and today I'm joined by, uh, with, joined with Tony and Lauren Finch. Thank you so much for joining me uh, on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you and have our listeners hear uh, what God is doing in northern Mexico. Uh, you guys are missionaries there mm-hmm. uh, with an organization, uh, Ethnos 360. Correct. Yeah. And uh, and so, if you could, just tell our listeners what's happening in northern Mexico. Okay. Um, well, we work predominantly with uh, an Indian tribe uh, in northern Mexico in the state of Chihuahua. And one thing I don't think that most of the listeners would be aware of is that there's over 250 languages spoken in Mexico. Uh you know, there's Spanish, of course, but the majority of those other languages are indigenous tribal groups. Um, if you were thinking of like the states, you'd have the Navajo, the Apache, the Cherokee, the Sioux, and, and then many variations. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way in Mexico. And we um, work, live with, and work with uh, Indian tribe. Um, their name is the Taromara. It's T-A-R-A-H-U-M-A-R-A, Tara Umara. And um, they number about 120,000 people. So they're just one of one of these many indigenous groups in Mexico. And um, we're talking about 300 air miles south of the of the U.S. border, uh, Arizona border. The Arizona border. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you guys uh, decide to go to Mexico? Um, decide to was probably in 1986, as we had finished up. Um, four years of Bible college and three and a half years of uh, training with Ethnos 360 um, in the rigors of living in a remote area, learning an unwritten language, Bible translation principles, uh, medical and, and uh, shall we say, technical training for living out in the middle of nowhere where we wouldn't have the advantages, um, say, of uh, electricity, running water, things like that, mm-hmm. or people that could communicate with us with a, with a, a in-between language. Um, so after all that years of training in 1986, we finished. And as we were praying about where to go to, um, um, we were exposed to the, the needs in Mexico that our, that our mission organization was um, sharing mm-hmm. with uh, folks that had completed their training. And so, basically, 1986, we made the decision to uh, join the work in Mexico. And after a year of raising support, um, both financially and prayer support, mm-hmm. uh, we went to Mexico in uh, June of 1987. So, did you start with the tribe, or did you start with like the thought of working with the the Mexican people? No, our intention, our 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 goal was to work with a tribal group in Mexico. We didn't know when we first went to Mexico which tribal group we'd be uh, ministering to. Uh, but we were invited by a, another uh, young couple at that time um, to uh, consider working with them, with the Taramari Indians. They had been there for approximately three years and were really in need of, of co-workers. Um, our mission as a whole uh, normally uh, sends people out in, in teams to work in different tribal locations. Ethnos 360 
works specifically and almost uh, um, exclusively with tribal uh, groups around the world. Okay. So. And, and so when you got there in 1987, uh-huh. uh, culture-wise, is it what you expected? I mean, coming from the states right right yeah could was the training did it prepare you for what you walked into um i think so yeah uh it although it was very different i think the the clue there is like what you said that um the training uh uh really helped us quite a bit so our mission that was part of the three and a half years of training it was very specific for working in a cross-cultural situation in a tribal location um, with uh, like when we got to Mexico, our first year was in the city of Chihuahua. Mm. Uh, that was the Mexico kind of what you hear and read about. Lots of Spanish, uh, um, uh, kind of a combination of new and old, um, but definitely, you know, Mexico. But when we moved up to the mountains in 1988 to work with the Taramari Indians, that's when we stepped into uh, a very, very different situation. Um, nothing of the modern world uh you felt like you were just stepping back in time hundreds and hundreds of years as far as the lifestyle of the people mm-hmm. and uh the way things were um their surroundings and then linguistically their language was just so so different spanish when we you know when we first went to mexico uh we could find a few people not many but a few people that that spoke english um but we were used to hearing Spanish, you know, having been raised here in Arizona and, and all. Uh, we, were, we were used to hearing Spanish, somewhat familiar with uh, the Mexican culture. My, my, my mother's background is all uh, from Mexico. Mm. Um, so that was kind of familiar, familiar. But when we moved up to the mountains with the Taramari Indians, now it was, we could have just as easily been on the other side of the world. So I... As I'm looking at, they have pictures, and obviously our listeners can't see the pictures. But I, uh, it it literally looks like, like you just said, other parts of the world. Right. I mean, uh, can you kind of uh, maybe describe a little bit of the scenery for the people? I mean, like, because like you said, okay. if you're thinking like traditional Mexico, mm-hmm. you're not thinking of like canyons or trees or you know, yeah. and all that stuff. Okay. Um, well, we, like I mentioned, we're here in northern Mexico. And it's basically as the Rocky Mountains of, of, of the United States, as they continue on down uh, through into Mexico. And um, where we're at is about uh, um, 8,000 feet up in a pine forest, evergreen forest. Um, very, very beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's also a large canyon system. Um, uh, a lot of people have heard of the Copper Canyon in areas of, of, of Mexico. It's a beautiful canyon, uh, but it's one of five that are connected together um, that is in the area where the Taramata Indians live. So they live uh, along the canyon, down in the canyon, and then all over in the, in the mountains there. It's a very rugged area, um, and it's uh, convenient for them and for for them as a tribal group because of their their history and contact with uh, outsiders or since the 1600s when the Spaniards first came into Mexico uh, for these uh, four or 500 years, it's just been um, uh, something uh, negative for them. Mm. Uh, all their contact with outsiders has usually been negative and detrimental, hurtful to them. So they um, 
continued to move further and further up into the mountains, down into the canyons, uh, until they really had no place else to, to retreat to. Mm -hmm. And um, they uh, uh, now I tell people that their their borders are their language and their culture. By maintaining the the integrity of their language, um, they have uh, conveniently isolated themselves from from all the uh, Mexican ranchers that live around and close to them. Um, and it's kind of kept them isolated um, as a culture, as, as a people group. And it's um, when you know them and as you know them, you realize it's a form of it's a it's a form of protection. If you can't if you can't speak to me, you can't control me. You mm. can't take advantage of me. I've I've got I've got the language uh, and my culture uh, to protect me. Oh, that, that's that's just uh, really interesting to me because, I mean, it's like here's a whole different community of people living in another country or in the same country, should I say, but that there's completely different cultures and languages. Right. Yeah. And uh, and that's really interesting because I, if you could, if I, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about 1988. The mm -hmm. two of you are <laughs> stepping out in faith and you arrive in this village or villages, mm -hmm. how do you go about sharing the gospel with these people? Okay, um, that's, uh, that's quite a question there, actually. Um, well, because I asked the question, because like, it, you think like if you have, if anybody's ever been on a short term mission trip, mm -hmm. you, you go and you go with work with a mission group already. You might do like a VBS, yeah, mm -hmm. or you do you know some kind of outreach. You share the gospel, share, share some tracks, but you're going to go live with these people. Mm -hmm. And how do you gain their trust? And how do you do yeah. ministry? Yeah, it's well. F first of all, we went in with the mentality: this is a long-term commitment. Mm -hmm. This is not a short-term mission trip. And our our training with our mission f prepared us fairly well to uh, 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 to be there for the long haul. And um, not that we want to be lackadaisical or lazy, um, but but going in with the recognition that this is probably going to uh, take quite a while. And it may be actually years before we see any real fruit um, where you could say, wow, here's Joe or Jane Believer, you know, or this is how many people have been reached with the gospel. And that indeed is, is what happened. Hmm. Um, we spent our first four years in the tribe uh, predominantly involved in learning the language and culture of these people. It wasn't until our, say, our fifth year in the tribe that we actually began teaching them what you would think of as evangelism. Mm. And then it was another two years before we actually presented the gospel. So, um, uh, so that's why I say it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. It's a, it's a big question because, um, um, it wasn't something we just went in and said, okay, we're here. Uh, we're going to open up John 3.16 in Spanish and try to find somebody who speaks Spanish and use them as an interpreter and hope mm. some people get saved. Um, one of the reasons that the Taramati Indians have have been uh, unreached as a people group for uh, for so many years is because of that sort of philosophy of ministry of just going in and we're going to share the gospel, hand out some tracts, show the Jesus film or something like that, and then mm -hmm. people are going to get saved and, and that sort of thing. A lot of well-intentioned folks have tried that over the years with the Taramadas, and it just falls flat on its face. It's mm -hmm. um, It just brings more confusion to the people. 
Um, I've talked with Taramatas uh, who have told me, you know, these groups to come in and we'll all raise our hands. We'll all say whatever they want us to say. These We'll repeat these prayers or whatever. Um, but it's because we all want the corn or the beans or the medical handout, you know, the attention that they're going to give to us. And so we went in knowing that um, uh, it was going to take um, a real clear understanding of, of both their language and their culture, how they think, what they believe, um, what barriers are up against their, them to, to really fully understand uh, the teachings of the Word of God. And so um, when we uh, first began learning their language, we quickly realized how important it was. Um, as an illustration, um, uh, probably about a year and a half, two years into study of the language, um, uh, you know, basically 24-7, one of my friends came and he uh, wanted to borrow a flashlight. And uh, he's going over to another community and... uh, and I, he was the way he was asking for it. I thought this is unusual this time of the day, and what's going on. So I just started uh, investigating a little bit with him, and um, and he told me that he was going over to uh, visit uh, one of the medicine men over mm-hmm. in a nearby community. And I said, "Yeah, I've heard about him. He's pretty powerful, you know, in your culture and, and, and all in their belief system." Um, and I. Th- and I asked, is this there going to be a ceremony taking place, some sort of ritual? You know, thinking maybe I want to go along and, and learn some more here from them about their belief system and all. And he said, no, I just need to go over and talk to this fellow. And um, and so I thought, okay, um, you are the capitan. You're the captain of a, of a group of people here in the community called soldiers that are like messenger boys for the chieftain in the area. Mm. And you're like the head soldier. So, um, so that's why I asked him, I said, are, are, you know, is this has something to do with you being the captain of the soldiers? And he eventually came around. I said, yeah. He says, um, he says, I need to go over there and talk to him because um, uh, he, he's, he talked with God. Uh, God appeared to him. And so I need to find out what God said so that I can tell my soldiers what word to, to take out to the rest of the communities, what kind of sacrifices, what kind of animals. Wow. Uh, does God want killed? Like a prophet, like right. He's thinking this guy's like a prophet. Well, in the in the Taramata culture, there are times, and um, I have no reason to doubt them. Uh, there are times where they literally, physically uh, have uh, a, a spirit being, being appears to them in human form, as if he's a Taramata Indian, wow. a demonic uh, a spirit being that will physically appear to them and talk to them, will eat with them, will sit down and drink. A cup of coffee with them, uh, and basically will communicate with them his needs. The their god, the Taramata god, is one who's basically a glorified Taramata Indian, who's hungry. He, he needs clothing. He has a wife, and eventually he'll die. And he's just kind of one in a in a number of many many gods to the Taramata people. That's always basically a Taramata Indian and kind of a mm. kind of a glorified form. So my friend um, was going over to talk to the medicine man who would, who, whom, to whom God had appeared recently and communicated um, some information about some sacrifices and things that needed to be done. So I wanted to investigate further, and I asked my friend, I said, um, so when he saw God, was he, was he drunk? Because that, that happens a lot. Uh, part yeah. of the Taramata culture is the making of corn beer that they offer to God. Uh, God likes corn beer, according to them. So they'll make gowns and gowns of tezguino, of, of their corn beer, batari, in their language. 
and um, oftentimes uh, while they're drunk, this is when they'll see things and hear things and, mm-hmm. and perform these ceremonies and all. And I asked him if he was drunk, and he said no. And I asked him, was he using peyote? Was he basically high on peyote? Because that's part of their religious system as well. And he said no. He said no, he was just at his house. He went outside to go to the bathroom, and there was God. Was standing right there, and 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 um, and he and he talked to him. So I said he was he was uh, um, he was in a, of a right mind then when he talked with with God. And he said yes, and I said wow, you know. I said you know you guys have told me about this. I've heard about this, um, and all, and um, you know it always intrigues me uh, how God appears and He gives these messages and things like that. And so I asked him. I started asking a little bit more in depthly about this. I said. Um, God appears to to people like this. He's a medicine man. That makes sense. I said, would God ever appear uh, to a woman, for example? He thought about it. My friend did, and he said, yeah. He said he she, he appeared to so and so down our valley here. She's uh, she's I know know who she is, and she's also like a, a medicine man, but a woman, you know, and a medicine woman and uh, shaman in their culture. And I said, okay, well, that would make sense because she's a shaman and she kind of interacts with the spirit world that way. I said, would God appear to someone who wasn't a shaman, a medicine man? And he said, yeah, yeah, that, that could happen, yeah. Um, and I went further. Would God appear to a child, for example? And he said, oh, yeah. He says, we teach our children uh, what to do if they, for example, in a dream, if God appears to them, because God will often appear to them, their God will often appear to them in dreams. Um, and I said, oh, okay. And then the zinger was, what I was leading up to, I asked him, I said, would God ever appear to me? And that one he had to think about for a little bit. And then he said, yeah. He said, yeah, he, 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 would, he could appear to you. Mm. He says, because you speak Dharamara. Ah, and you know, and he said, uh, I, "I said, so what does one do? <laughs> Give me a little information here. What is what is protocol? You know, like you meet the Queen of England or the President of the United States. What do you do? How do you how do you how do you act?" I said, "What would wh- how would I need to be? What would I need to do?" And he, the first thing he said to me he says that he says he says you've got to, when God speaks to you, he says he says Tony, you got to talk back to him in Taramara. He says because God doesn't speak Spanish. I said, oh, God, oh, and this is after two years of studying their language. I hadn't ever received this information, this cultural information, because they just don't give you stuff. They don't volunteer stuff. you got to just slowly, little by little, pull it out out from them. And so uh, he said, Tony, you'll have to answer him back in Taramara because God only speaks Taramara. Well, at that point, I inwardly breathed a sigh of relief. And quickly, uh, when he left, after loaning the flashlight, I went and talked to my coworker and told him, I said, Dale, I said, you're not going to believe what I just heard. And uh, we just, to us, it just verified to us the importance, how important it was to uh, learn the language of these people and to understand their culture, to even have a foothold, foot, uh, uh, a foothold, even have an opening to present to them, to teach them about God would first of all require a, a working knowledge of their language. Because for them, even though you know we're sharing about the one true God, a different God, so to speak, um, than what they believe in, 
that message would have no validity to them whatsoever unless it was, first of all, shared within the Taramata language. Because if we start sharing it in Spanish, their, their immediate conclusion would be, this isn't about God. This is about your God. This is about somebody else. Because mm. if it was about God, it would be, this message would be communicated to us in Taramata. Mm. So um, that just solidified in our minds and hearts the need to uh, to really get the language down, be able to speak it fluently, understand it, and and really understand what the Taramaras themselves uh, believed. Yeah. So, so I mean, as you're sharing that, you know, I'm just like I'm blown away because my mind starts thinking about like, well, if I'm a listener here in Central Arizona, right, mm -hmm. and I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I want to share my faith. Like, it's not just a, a flash in the pan no. thing, you know? It, it should be like, I mean, I'm just thinking of how Jesus was with the culture, right? Mm -hmm. He was amongst them. He was living with them. He was eating with them. Right. He was learning the people, in a sense, although he created them, right? But it just mm -hmm. like being with humans and, and just getting to know them and out of a heart of love. I mean, because yeah. why else would you do this? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, why why, why would you spend... Like, from what I heard is like, you know, years of learning this culture, learning this language. What was the drive behind it? Mm -hmm. Is love, right? Yeah. To reach them with the the true God, with, with Jesus. Well, you God's know, love. With God's, God's love. love but, it, but, but what I'm getting at is, is like, if people are listening right now, it's like, yeah, we can, we can go evangelize, but there's also a, a strong importance of building relationships, yeah. wouldn't you say? Well, I, th I think one of the key ministry uh, philosophies that we hold on to is in our Lord's command to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, that, that to make disciples, you've got to know the people. Oh. They have to know you. Um, the Taramati Indian, you know, as you look through the pictures there and all, you realize, wow, this is a pretty primitive group of people. Yeah. You know, we, I, I've, I've stayed in people's homes, which are caves. Um, there's, uh, there's parts of the Taramata world, people that their only contact with the outside world is a military helicopter that they might see fly over their area every once in a while. Hmm. Or the, a jet stream up at, 40,000 feet, somebody flying from Los Angeles to Mexico City, and they, they see these jets way up high, you know, and see the, their, 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 their steam from their motors. Um, that's their contact with, with the outside world. Um, so uh, uh, they have to, they have to uh, not just hear, they have to see it. The Taramata education system is, although there are government schools in and throughout the mountains there, uh, now for the Indians, um, by and large, um, the Taramata, Taramata person in his culture, uh, the way they learn is by observation. And so um, we realized that we would not only be sharing God's truth with them, but we had to live it out. We had to model for them. We were the only examples of what a follower of Jesus Christ looked like hmm. that they would ever have, um, or the majority of them would ever would ever have or see. And so we considered our relationship as a husband and wife, our relationship with our children, um, our our relationship with our coworkers. Um, everything about us was under observation by these Indians. Hmm. Um, they. 
uh, I had one old man, a friend of ours, approach me after two years, two and a half years of being there in the tribal location. And he said, Tony, he says, um, he came over to my house just to share this with me. He says, Tony, he says, I figured out why you want to learn our language. Because <laughs> it was confusing to, the, to them, you know, like, what are you doing? And, um, um, and he said, uh, um, you know, he, he basically said, um, uh, I, I know why you want to learn our language. He says, uh, um, you're going to take it and you're going to sell it. That was the only thing he could come You're up gonna with. You're going to sell it. You're going to sell it. That's funny. Um, because he had observed us all this time and realized, you're not like others. You're not like what we were expecting. You're not here to rip us off. You're not here stealing our animals. You're not here stealing our women. You're not here stealing our children or eating our children, as some of them thought that we might do. Um, you're not here somehow ripping us off. You're not taking advantage of us. And what we see are people that love us and care for us and are just willing to to do all kinds of things for us and with us and you're learning and you're 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 wanting to understand what we think and what we believe and um you're just a part of our lives and our culture and you're becoming like us and understanding us and learning our, our language more and more and it just you know they couldn't there what is the there's got to be a motive yeah what's your motive what's your motive yeah. and um they they just couldn't think of you know love and true concern for them a, a god type of selfless love yeah they they hadn't ever seen that they didn't experience it they didn't know what that was wow and so their conclusion was you, you're going to take our you want our language learn it so well because you're going to go and take it and sell it you know yes. my first thought was who would I sell it to? Who would want to buy their language? Yeah. You know, where, Google where's the, Translate, where's the market? Go on, go on eBay yeah. and sell it, or yeah. you know, how do you, uh, what do you do with it? So okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get definitely a, a part two out of uh, <laughs> with you guys. But if if we could wrap it up with some encouragement for our listeners, uh, because I, I'm excited for people to hear your story and to hear about uh, this tribe of people. But as what I've really see what God is just like putting out is, is the importance of discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so if you could maybe uh, encourage the people, what, what can they do to disciple people? Just very shortly, just like a quick, I know, I know that's kind of a big question, but something to encourage people to disciple, should I say? Well, um, speaking of uh, thinking of the context of, of here in the States, um, uh, I, w I would just encourage people that the relationships, uh, building relationships with your your friends, uh, your neighbors, your family, um, not thinking of just who can I share tract with, who can I meet on the street and bump into and just talk to, but who are who are those people that God has put into my life that I can uh, on a long term relationship, uh, you know, pour into their lives, and it may be your very own children. Mm. It may be uh, it may be your spouse. It may be uh, a close relative. But I but I have to believe that God's given you a, a circle of people that are close to you um, that you can build into and and uh, live a life before them, uh, share your life with them. And and open up the Word of God, um, you know, together with them to to uh, to, to be able to communicate truths to them that mm -hmm. that God has taught you, and that you can share with them. So the relationships, I'd say, is the is uh, would be my my encouragement to people to to build yeah. on those and um, not just you know it's it's great. Yeah, 
do the work of evangelists, you know, in season and out of season. But primarily, it's like the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was with his group of disciples yeah. um, for those three and a half years or so and poured into them. You'll see that in, in Paul's life as well. I think in, in all of the apostles, they had those, those close groups there with them. While they were doing the work of the ministry, they were discipling, really pouring themselves into these other people, mm -hmm. um, the close ones to them. And I, I think that's sort of the same thing. We're, yeah. you know, we're just very, um, very grateful that, that God uh, allowed us to build relationships with people, and those relationships continue on. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that some of those relationships are now continuing on as as brother to brother in Christ. We praise God for, for those Tatamata Indians that uh, we've come to see, uh, come to know the Lord. But we still have continuing relationship and friendships. In fact, the majority of our relationships and friendships are still with unbelievers. These are people that we're still testifying to, still living our lives before, still encouraging to place their faith in the Lord, um, to turn their lives over to the Lord. Things haven't changed. The relationship didn't stop because they didn't respond, in our eyes, favorably to the mm. gospel. It's still an ongoing yeah. um, evangelistic process with them. Well, we're going to learn more about it in the next episode uh, as we hear more how God has been moving and working down there in the uh, just the the progress or the fruit, should I say, of what the Lord's been faithful to do. Um, but I definitely want to encourage the listeners, you know, if anything that you heard from Tony is, you know, what, I, what really stood out to me, Tony, is when you said it's that love, it's that sacrificial love, it's that thinking of others, you know, and pouring into them and serving them. Uh, and we can do that right here in our community. So uh, until next time, uh, You've been listening to The Gate. The Gate is a show that focuses on the events, the happenings, the people, and the places within our local communities here in Central Arizona. Tony and Lauren, thank you. I can't wait to continue the discussion. All right. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Gate with Pastor Eric Kluth. If you have a story, event, or issue about our local community that you would like to bring to The Gate, contact KVNG 91.1 FM at 520 426 7911